What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Man, we have a great treat for you all today. I had so much fun recording this podcast with Naz Mitru Long. Now the Indiana Pacers currently uh, rehabbing an injury while on quarantine. And what we did, um, this podcast is presented by our Patreon members, our Cyclone Fanatic Premium subscribers. We're constantly getting inside information and great little perks like this one where they can ask Naz a question in this podcast. You can sign up as well and be a part of our uh, exclusive Cyclone Fanatic Premium Club and it helps support what we're doing here at Cyclone Fanatic during a time where our ad rates are going to be down like almost 90% in April by the time it's all said and done. It's brutal, but you guys are saving us, so we thank you for that. And we can produce great content like this with Naz Mitra Long. One of the most fun pods I think I've ever done. Uh, we do everything from Naz telling me about a Florida Georgia Line concert that he went to. We go back down memory lane, uh, looking at the good old days with Naz and the fellas. Uh, at Iowa State and talk NBA ball, everything. Everything's here, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I know that you will. Here's my conversation with Iowa State's, uh, well, one of the greatest players in the history of Iowa State, one of the most popular players in Iowa State history, Naz Mitru Long. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend. I call him Nazzy. He'll always be Nazzy to me, but he's Naz Mitru Long. And Naz, where are you on the phone from today? Are you in Indiana? I am in the beautiful city of Indianapolis, Indiana right now. Man, I love Indianapolis. I've spent a lot of time there in the past. I don't know if I ever told you that. Oh, really? Well, what's some of your, your go-to spots out here? Well, I mean, this is more when I was younger, but my family oh, okay. every summer would go to Indianapolis for the races, for the NASCAR race. Ooh. And I've spent so many weeks in that city. Uh, so I, I'm probably not hanging out in spots that, that you're hanging out in, but, um, <laughs> but I came to have like a appreciation for that city when then, so I have one other deal. Uh, were you, I don't think you were on the, were you on the team that played in Dayton and lost to Aaron Kraft in Ohio state? I, I definitely, I was on the team, but I was buried on the bench. Okay. So <laughs> do you remember after that, game i i'm assuming you guys stayed in dayton and flew out the next day but there was a massive snowstorm do you remember that at all i i do remember it but i want to say i left with one of my friends families i gotta i gotta dust that off in my memory well, book man because i can't remember we got stranded in indianapolis after that Memphis deal. And I spent a couple nights there with that, which was a lot of fun. I love Indianapolis. It's a great basketball city. I was, I was actually excited when you signed there. Cause I, I, it'd be easy to come and get to some games. I haven't been able to yet, but, uh, how, how are you liking it? Do you enjoy it there? Yeah, man. I, I love it. I love it. Um, it, it's closer to home for me. Um, seven and a half hour drive. So, you know, it's been, pretty easy to get some of my family and friends up here. Uh, like you said, man, this, this city loves basketball. So uh, when when there's an Indiana uh, game on, a Pacers game on, you know, the city's coming out. They're showing up, showing love. Um, the organization, man, is amazing. Uh, these people are – I've been blessed to be in, in some great situations, but this one right here is, is, is great. Um, you know, and, and the people here are nice. It, it, the whole deal, man, I can go on and I know a lot of people got to boast about their situations, especially when you're doing these podcast deals or whatever. But I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Like 
it makes going to work easy. Um, and it's funny, you bring up the, the, the NASCAR stuff. I actually went to the Brickyard 400 um, nice. and, and, and caught that race. And I know my good people in Iowa would appreciate uh, the fact that I went to, you know, Florida Georgia Line concert, man. I was in there <laughs> catch, catching a vibe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> did you enjoy it? You know what? I actually did. I wow. actually did. That was, that was my first con- country concert ever. I know, please don't crucify me. But um, it was my first one, man, and the, and the turnout was insane. Like, uh, who who else was there? Dan and Shay was there. They killed it. They were insane live. <laughs> um, Nelly Nelly popped out. I mean, I don't think by any means he was sober at all, Nelly? but he was catching a vibe. Nelly was there. The rapper? Nelly the rapper jumped on stage with Florida Georgia Line. I can't remember what <laughs> remix they have. Don't they have a song together? I have no idea. I don't listen yeah, to Florida Georgia Line, but um, that's so funny though because like Nelly's just like that's like my high school vibe, man. <laughs> yeah, man, he, he's got some hits though. You'd be surprised, like when you run it through, it's oh, like damn, okay. yeah. Nelly was doing his thing. Yeah, man, he he had a couple of really like big albums there. He was a he was big star. He was. Uh, this yeah. is so funny. Like you think back to like dumb things you did when you were young. And thank God I didn't do this. But there was a kid who had a locker next to me. And keep in mind, I'm in, like, rural Iowa, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. And this kid next to me would wear a Band-Aid uh, over his eye <laughs> because nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, Chris, I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was one of those kids, man. <laughs> I was, uh... Did you really? <laughs> I used to wear the bandana, the, the headband, the, the band-aid, you know, all because of his influence. I'm not even going to lie to you. That's fantastic. That's, yeah, he, yeah. he was in Des Moines, I, I want to say, like, I don't know, four or five months ago. Like, he, he actually had, like, a legitimate concert. I I didn't go to it. I wanted to. I actually went to a, uh, a DMX concert in Des Moines. Um, nice. Yeah, so... It was a blast, and it was, like, sold out. It was crazy. But, man, DMX has, like, a bigger beer gut than I do. <laughs> and so then, you can't make this up, uh, me and some friends ended up at DMX's after party. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was oh. it, it was not nearly as cool as what you have going on in your head right now, I can promise you. <laughs> I was thinking, I was just thinking, beer belly, he probably could drink the whole night. That probably got rowdy in there. So what DMX does now, because he's so old and out of shape, is he doesn't even, like, sing, like, the full songs. He sings just, like, basically the choruses of all of his songs that people know. And because he doesn't have, like, the breath, you know. Yeah. To, to keep it going with all of them. And he was jumping around and like, he was climbing on top of speakers and stuff. It was, it was crazy. It was one of the, wow. yeah, I like going and seeing those guys when they're out of their prime because it, it's, it's kind of sad, but it, 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 all their songs though, man, like that was it back in the day, you know, those type right. of dudes, man. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, especially someone like him, man, like legends <laughs> live forever. It, 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 it is sad. You know, when you see him and you're kind of like, oh, dang, this guy looks like he's, you know what I mean, kind of going through it a little bit. But in reality, I mean, for them, it's probably celebratory, right? When oh, they yeah. get to do their songs and 15, 10, 10 to 15 years later, people are still singing word for word. I mean, his mark is definitely felt. So kudos to DMX, man. Shout out to that guy one time. 
<laughs> I hope people still care about me when I'm that age. You know? Yeah. You me. and I both. Just just know I'll care about you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. Same with you. Uh, so anyways, what have you, um, let's catch up on this, this, uh, deal. Have you, I've seen some NBA players who were like, yeah, it's really hard to even get my hand on a basketball and stuff. What what have you been doing during this whole COVID-19 thing? Have you been able to keep in the gym at all? Yeah. You know, um, like, like we were just talking about prior to getting on, on air. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed, man. Um, and great. You know what? Let me start with this. I went this year was a little rocky for me um, in regards to staying healthy. I landed on my ankle really bad and I had a grade three sprain. So it put me out for a long time. It was about close to two months. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough being in the situation I'm in. You want to grasp every opportunity you get. And uh, especially being here, man, they made it so comfortable um, for me to be me and then to continue to excel in, in the point guard role. I was taking these strides. This injury happened. I was yeah. out for a little while, missed most of the season. And then here we are, uh, this, this, this quarantine pops up. And, um, basically the team let me know, like, I'm going to be able to still get in the gym because I need the rehab for my ankle, um, and, and for my career. So, um, I've been able to, uh, work with, you know, our head trainer, um, our head strength coach and been able to get on the court and, and really test my jumping ability and things like that all for the health of my ankle. So I'm, I'm blessed in that aspect. There was some bad, but now I'm, I'm seeing the good in it, but you're, you're not lying, man. Like I talked to all, all the bros, um, you know, everybody that went to Iowa state, all my friends that are in the league, everybody who just loves the game and they're struggling right now, man. It, it, it's wild out here right now for real. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy, you know, covering Iowa State and everything and watching, like, how they're having to recruit. And then um, just thinking about, like, the NBA and, like, you guys have, you know, I've read about a lot of guys who are just, like, you know, in these apartments in these big cities and they, they literally can't pick up a basketball. They have nowhere to go. And yeah. um, it's just wild, like, that everything that we're all going through. But it's good to hear that, that you're doing well. So when the season does pick back up, I mean, it, we haven't really heard anything official, but it doesn't look like there'll be much of a G league deal. I mean, do you, what is your, are you, are you with the Pacers for sure next year? Or do you have to go through an off season or how, how is that set up for you right now? Well, right now, man, I think, you know, not only to basketball, um, but to the world, this is, this is new. I mean, yeah, we, we weren't prepared for it. So, I mean, I think everything from, you know, recruiting to the off season to people's contracts and, and negotiating contracts for next year, everything is kind of put on a standstill until, um, you know, I think the government takes a stance on what's the next steps in yeah. which they have done for, as you can see, some of the cities are starting to open up and so forth. Um, but yeah, man, when it comes to the minor things, as far as, you know, little details like contracts and things like that, in the grand scheme of thing of actual life, like that's not as important as the world, you know? No doubt. So I, I, I just think everything's kind of on a standstill. Um, and the main priority for guys like myself is really just staying ready so you don't have to get ready. If the season were to, were to open up next week, I would still be with the Pacers. Okay. Um, granted the plan and things like that, but uh, next year's a whole different ball game. So we just have to wait for that. Yeah, it's weird. And then, you know, I was even reading too about like just, so the NBA obviously wants to have some sort of a playoff. Um, and then, you know, I was reading last night that it could even be, so then next year is going to have to be delayed. 
and then like I read it could be three, four years before everything's back to normal in the sense of like the timing of the league calendar and stuff like right. that. So yeah, it's just wild times. So um, you are um, one of the most popular players in Iowa state history. You're one of my favorites too. I actually said one time that you were my favorite cyclone of all time. And Yang got really time. pissed off at me. <laughs> I was about to say, I know George hated that right there. He, I mean, he was not happy. <laughs> George is a competitive guy, man, and, and that, that's what makes him so great, man. No I get doubt. really bothered. No so here's what I <laughs> hey. loved about you, and I appreciate um, this about your kind of whole class the, of your era, and I think it's paying off um, watching your guys' careers. And you, you tell me if some of these like stories that I've heard are true. Oh, here we go. <laughs> not, it's, it's not bad stuff, but I think that it's I'll really um, a testament to hey, – let me put it this way. So you and um, – so George and Monte were drafted. You yeah. elected to go through the G League. You could have gone overseas and done that. You work your ass off. You get your NBA opportunities. And then it was this year where – Matt Thomas kind of comes out of nowhere after blowing things up overseas for a couple years, and he's with the Raptors and has become one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. And right. it, to me, watching, watching you and Matt work your way to where you've gotten, watching George, a guy who everybody said wasn't athletic enough, I think Monte, you know, as a second-round pick, being able to stick the way that he has. And then you throw in Abdul – and Deontay, you know, Deontay's in Korea for a year. I think Deontay's a 10-year pro at this right. point. Right. It's not a fluke. And the thing is, when I look at all of you guys, none of you were the highest recruited dudes on the planet. Um, right. I've heard stories, especially the last couple of years, just legendary stories of working out, um, just abusing <laughs> that practice facility, the Sukup. Yeah practice facility i don't know my man like i i think you know i appreciated you when you were wearing the cardinal and gold but i think i appreciate all of you guys more now just watching how that hard work and that that work ethic is taking you guys to new heights do you that's what it is right i mean you were you were you barely you just said it you barely even played as a freshman and now you're an nba player yeah yeah um you know looking back on it man um i think we were just a bunch of kids that uh just genuinely loved the game and just loved Iowa State and, and wanted to get better um, as, as individuals, as a team, and, you know, just to continue the school brand of, of the Iowa State Cyclones. And um, once we fell in love with that process, man, it was kind of like no looking back. And, and you're not lying, man. We all used to say, thank you, Suka. You know, that was something that we would tweet every so often or just say in, in the media here and there or just amongst each other is just because man, like the Sukas, they provide an opportunity for us to get in there 24 seven. And we were using that thing 24 seven. I mean, yeah, there, there were some nights where it was like, dang, you know, I'm, I'm, I have my fair, my fair share of fun nights on Welsh, but like me and George or me and Matt, like we would sober up and be like, man, let's just go in the gym and shoot some free throws or something. You know what I mean? And yeah. just because we had the luxury of doing that and, um, you know, it, it, just having the guys that we had around us, like I would look over at the other end of the court and see this guy, Matt, doing his super strategic shooting drill that he would do every so often. Like, 
and want to be just by himself. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, this guy's like moving like he's a pro right now. I need to get towards being a pro. You know what I mean? And um, and and the list goes on on how we push each other. But man, the, the stories are countless. But we had we had a special couple groups. Yeah, and you all pushed each other. That was the thing. Like, I, I mean, everybody talks about transfers in Iowa State and stuff, but I always, I'm always trying to tell people, and I, th- and I know Fred would back me here. Uh, I know TJ does. Like, you guys were the glue, though, because when those transfers came in, there was already a culture in place, and I, I think it started with Melvin. You know, like Melvin, mm-hmm. um, Melvin was there that first year with, with Fred, and then like he was the first like big four year guy, and he was an ass kicker. And then it didn't matter which transfer they brought in or where they came in from. Like, they came in and they had to answer to you guys, and they had to adjust themselves to your work ethic. And uh, there's certain parts of that that just can't be coached. And I I just think it's a – I don't know, man. Like, I am – I'm using this COVID thing. Like, I think we all need to try and make ourselves better in some capacity Mm -hmm. during it and telling Mm -hmm. your guys' story. And, like, the Bill Finley talks about the legendary, like, you know, he'd he'd get – get back like from a really late night road trip and come back and y'all are shooting at like 2 a.m. and stuff like that. I, just, yeah. I think it's a really cool deal. Like how, how, how closely you guys is bond went and it was about more than just like brotherhood. I mean, it was about basketball too. And you guys just genuinely loved it. Yeah. Yeah, man. We, we loved it. We loved it. We still do. Um, we loved Iowa state and we still do. Um, and, and you're right, man. I mean, the foundation was there. It definitely did start with Melvin, at least for myself, because um, he was a mentor for me since I was a kid. Uh, and, and I know I've seen how much he loved it coming from, you know, the same place for him to fall in love with a place that's completely opposite of where we're from. It it was a no-brainer. And, you know, we were lucky with the transfers we got. I mean, you look at a guy like DeAndre King. He leads the NCAA in, in technical fouls the year before. Everyone in the world writes him off as a nutcase, a uh, headache. Yeah. Um, somebody who can't buy into a program. Um, and I mean, I, I kid you not, when I say we didn't have not one problem with Kane as far as chemistry, as far as leadership, as far as leading by example, we didn't have not one problem. Um, and, and we were blessed with that and, and the other grad chances we got because they definitely brought success for with the foundation that was laid at Iowa State. All right, man. Um, I gave the fans some opportunities here to ask you some questions, and I went through them. They're really good. So can I fire Love some it. at you? Let's let's get it, man. I'm, this is what I'm most excited for. Here we go. <laughs> First of all, Clayton, and you just brought this up. Some good times on Welch. Uh, you don't got to go into too many. Deals. Clayton wants to know what was your fav- favorite Ames bar. My favorite Ames bar. Um, you know, it differed from year to year. Obviously, when it was my freshman year, I couldn't get into it. So the house parties and the frats was we 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 were active. We we supported the community. We were active. Um, Especially because I wasn't playing, so you know, for everybody watching and listening, please forgive me. But um, <laughs> I think so you we, we didn't do that. To be a good kid, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. But uh, I think we size Ruth was definitely the first one because it was just like I think the name like size Ruth. Every yeah. time I'd pass it, I'd be like, I want to go to that bar. Like that just seems like Iowa State. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, I did. We did that, but. It went from there. Then Mickey's was a little bit, but AJ's really just came on the scene with the with the patio, with the little deck patio, and they just shut it down because the vibes out there with the lights. It was, I would say, AJ's held it down for us towards the end of the, the Iowa State run. Okay, um, Carrie has a question now. I remember something about this. 
but not the specifics. She goes, I would love to hear details about the Harlem Globetrotters situation. <laughs> what? Did you get yeah. like, drafted by them or like what happened there? <laughs> Myself, Aaron Judge, um, one of my friends named Rodney who played at Georgetown at the time. And then there was two other celebrities. But I literally, I kid you not, I woke up and I it, I believe that was the same day as the actual draft. It was like the day before. Um, and I was getting ready to watch it and I got a tweet like, oh, congrats on being drafted to the Globe Charter. So I started laughing and then like I was getting more and more and then my phone started going crazy. And I just seen I was a top five pick to the Globe Charter because they thought I could shoot the four point play um, at a high rate. So... I don't know how that came about, but they sent me a letter. They sent me a jersey, and I got drafted. I respectfully declined, um, but I don't. That's all the details I know. So is that something you can like fall back on at some point? Like, hey, uh, I think I'm gonna be done with this, but I'm gonna go and travel with the Globetrotters. Is that do you have like a uh, never-ending contract with them, or how does that work? I I don't know. I mean, considering. They've never lost a game in the time that they've played. I assume the contracts are never ending if you commit to it, right? So I, I, I don't know. I remember that day too because that that news like hit, and I didn't know. I'm like, man, like, do I report on this? Yeah. I was like, is this real? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I was, I was, I was taken off guard. I was. Oh, okay. Good question there. From Carrie. That was. Uh, okay, Brett, I'm sure you get asked about this one a lot, but it's a memorable moment for everybody. The Oklahoma State buzzer beater. And I would I would question up and say which one because you slayed the Cowboys a few times. But I know exactly mm-hmm. the one he was talking about from the left wing at Hilton Coliseum. Uh, how amazing was that feeling, hearing the eruption, and what was going through your mind at that time? Um, it was unexplainable. Um, after I hit the shot, but I do remember the focus that I had at the free throw line, knowing that there was a good chance Phil was going to miss that free throw just because of how loud it was. Um, And I remember when it came off, I just was pointing at, I think Matt grabbed the rebound and I was just pointing, like come this direction to Kane, like come this direction. And once it came my way and then bang, I hit the shot. Uh, Luckily the guy gambled. So he gave me an open look. And I hit it, and I just remember turning around and looking into the crowd, and that was, I believe, the first game my little brother came and saw mm. um, me play. So I was looking in that that direction, and Alan Lazard was in there, and Eli, my little brother, who was like just under five ten, he had to be like five eight at the time. I could not find him in the crowd, but when it when that shot fell, I just remember thinking. Hell yeah, let's get it. <laughs> now we're going to overtime and we got to win. And they don't have Marcus Smart. Melvin's fouled out, so we have to do it for him. Um, man, that was special. It was rocking in there, though, man. <laughs> that thing was, I just felt like it was It was true Hilton magic that just came alive, man. Unexplainable for, feeling for real, but I'm just trying to do my best, you know? Yeah, I'll never forget that. I, I remember specifically that moment. Was that the same game? where the student section did like the giant flop when smart was introduced. It was, I believe it was, I think, I think so it too. was. Yeah. And that was legend. Our student section was lit, by the way, we oh. got to give them a shot. Cause like from that to the, uh, what's that one, that one dance that hit the scene heavy, like the, uh, where everybody's just chilling. Was it the Dougie? 
No, not the Dougie. It's the, it's uh, everyone's just chilling, and then they had like, oh. the guy in the uh, in the big lady suit going crazy, and then yeah. the song drops, and the whole crowd goes nuts. I know what you're oh, talking man. about. I, yeah, they have a clip of that on YouTube. I'm I'm gonna find it and text it to you when we're done. But okay. that like our student section was so lit, man. We it was it was crazy, man. Yeah. Text it to me, and I'll I'll throw it out there for everybody. That's that's for beyond sure. my um, comprehension of pop culture. Uh, Joan wants to know, do you have any aspirations of coaching? She says, it seemed like when you were playing, it seemed like you were coaching your teammates at times. And you off, she often wonders if you might be the Cyclones head coach someday. What do you think? Wow. Wow. You said Joan? Is that yeah. Joan? Yeah, Joan wants Joan. Joan. Joan Jensen. There you go. Joan Jaha. Joan Jensen. That's a lot of love. I appreciate that. But, um, man, I, I just was a part of the program at the time. Um, again, like I said, around a bunch of guys that I loved, an organization that I loved. So, I mean, it wasn't me doing any coaching. It was it was Coach Prom, it was Coach Fred. It was just me contributing um, and helping where I could. Um, as far as being a coach one day, maybe, um, if that's where the stars align. I love the game. You know, I, I, I just – I wake up every day and I literally look outside. You know, and I have my own little meditation routine and all that. And I say to myself, like, I just remind myself I'm blessed to be able to – play this game of basketball as my job you know so once the ball is done bouncing for me and and I'm not playing myself in any way shape or form I could stay around the game I, I will be more than happy and, and more than grateful you know um, you could do tv too <laughs> maybe maybe some tv man I don't know you know maybe some tv but if it has to do with talking about basketball you you can I'll never say no to it because this is it's been near and dear my whole life man for sure uh, okay, this is a good one here from Christopher. Um, it's about the last dance. Are you watching it? Absolutely. I hope I and I hope Christopher's watching it too. It's a it's big time. Everybody is, man. It's crazy. Like I it's like media outlets are covering it like it's live sports. Like you watch like Sports Center on Sunday night and they're showing like highlights from like yeah. nineteen ninety eight. Okay, he Chris, Christopher wants to know if you could imagine playing against those pistons. And a follow-up, what would players today do back then without load management? Which is interesting. It's just – that's the one thing I've seen that is, like, watching the NBA now compared to watching, like, this this last dance, which is how different everything is as far as the way the game's officiated and just the game's really evolved since then. Right, right. Um, you know, I can't I can't give a solid answer on that just because – the players of today are not playing in that time and the players of then aren't playing in this time. So um, you don't know, we all don't know about the technology that's behind closed doors. Um, we don't know about the things that are spoken about as to what leads to somebody doing load management. For example, Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, in his situation, I, he hasn't been a teammate of mine. And I just know that if people are calling that card, it has to be for some type of necessary, you know, action. Um, but as far as that goes, man, I, I know guys want to play. You know, I know guys want to play. We love this game. We don't play just to, to entertain. We play because we love it. Um, and I think in a time like that, man, where you see the bad boys just beating up on the Bulls and doing things specifically to make people intimidated, and that ultimately they ended up winning by it, um, I, I think guys just cope with the times, man. And uh, we're living in a time where technology is high. Um, there is a lot of wear and tear on bodies. I mean, but then you look at a situation like this, even um, guys, guys are struggling to get in the gym. So say the season picks up next week and people are not as fortunate as, as someone like me who has a gym, 
it's going to be tough for guys to get into a rhythm yeah. and play and, and avoid injury, you know? So ultimately people get mad at the load, man, load management thing. But if you think about it, if those same guys who did the load, ma- load management ended up playing instead of doing that and then hurt themselves and then were out for like a year or two years, like I bet people are saying they wish KD would have pulled the load management, you know, in, in the finals, even though the situation and, and circumstances and, and everything was high, he wasn't ready to play. Right. Mm-hmm. So now we have to wait for another year and a half for the game to get a great player like him back. So I just think it depends on the times. Man. Yeah. My thing too, and I, I don't feel like this gets tossed around as enough in, in defense of like today's game is sure. It was a lot more physical back then. I don't think anybody can deny that, but like would the 98 bulls, like what would they do defending, you know, the, 15 um, warriors, right? Like, could, like, they didn't have to, de- you basically have to defend half court on because Steph and Clay will just pull up, right? Like, it's just, it does work both ways. Like, the, I think today's game, like, the amount of skill is, is significantly higher than right, back right. in the day. It's just different. Right. And there's just more of um, people like Kevin Durant, like yeah. seven, I mean, Porzingis, I mean, Duran, I mean, the thing, the the traditional throw the, the ball in the post and let a big man go to work back to the basket game is kind of diminishing. Um, and, I mean, you look at the team as great as, as the Bulls in their area that they dominated, and then you look at someone like Golden State, yeah, you know, like how, how would they guard, you know, Golden State with the personnel they had? I mean, Pippen, Jordan, I mean, Paxson, you know, they had some guys, but it, it's hard to determine that after these guys have dominated an era with so much talent. Um, but I think the same can go for them. I mean, how are you going to guard a guy like Jordan, who you have the greats like Larry Bird saying, that's God, this guy is Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that, that, that argument is, is an interesting one. It's a never ending one, but I think uh, it, it wouldn't be easy either way for sure. Okay. Uh, let's keep on moving here. Oh, real, real quick though, the, just watching the last dance. Like on, a, I had to imagine you're just itching to play. Like that has to oh. do that for all of you guys, you NBA players. I would think because like I'm sitting here in my basement, getting fatter, having a beer, watching this thing, and I want to. <laughs> I just I want to get out and play. Like, I can't imagine yeah. what it's doing to you guys. Oh, the the the, the motivation, the motivation in that thing, the, the criteria they're giving us, man, it's just like they're just hanging it over our nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, no. Sure. But they they did us a favor in releasing it earlier for sure. But like, man, like when you watch something like that, you see the way Jordan talks about just wanting to be the best and his desire for greatness. You can't help but wanna itch to get in the gym and just see somebody on the other end and try and go at him, man. For sure, the competitive juices are rolling. Uh, Josh wants to know, other than Hilton and Hilton South in Kansas City, what was your favorite venue to play in during your college career? You said other than Hilton and Hilton South? Yeah. By far, Kansas. Um, Figured that. It's not even, yeah, it's it's not even comparable. And and the thing is, I have no hesitation saying that because I have to pay respects for all the battles that we had in the years um, of all all of our times there. You know, like I see Devontae Graham. I've seen Frank Mason. You know, Landon Lucas, he was there for a good amount. Andrew Wiggins, I know him well. Um, and those guys, we all talk and, and have mutual respect on, on the battles that we had, man, when they came to Hilton and when we went there. But they, I don't know, they got some extra juice in them speakers or them the way they set up that building to, for it to be so tight and packed, man. You literally cannot 
hear yourself when Bill Self walks out or when somebody gets a fast break dunk or when Ben, ben McLemore hits a bank three to send it into overtime our freshman year and breaks our soul. Um, you know, it, things like that are things you never forget because those venues really prepare you to be ready to play in hostile environments. So I'd have to give it to Kansas. Yeah, the um, have you ever have you ever watched a game from Allen Fieldhouse, like from the stands? I have not. Yeah, it's crazy. The first time I ever did, it was the um, it was the year where you it was the Ben McLemore Bank. Sorry to bring, sorry to bring it up. Um, oh my gosh, that thing! I, I'm replaying it in my yeah. head right now, and I need to I need to press delete. <laughs> Brutal. Um, yeah. But I I remember sitting like how closely all the seats are together. Like you're just on top of each other. It is not made for like obese people. <laughs> you are like, not at all man. packed into that place. Yeah, yeah. And when you're taking the ball out on the sidelines, like you literally feel like somebody's breathing on your neck, like you get off me. You know what I mean? Like what's yeah. like what's going on here? Uh this is a really great question. I love this. Talked to George about it a few times. Uh Luke, this is from Luke. He says, Naz, what was your pinch me? I'm in the NBA moment. Like did you have Ooh, like I- a deal where you're all of a sudden you're defending somebody and you're like, Holy crap or something like that? Yeah, I, I've had a couple of them. Um, my first one would be uh, when I got in the game versus Denver, my first year out. Um, that was my first opportunity to really get some some minutes, and there was like probably four minutes left on the clock. My first shot went down. Alex Burke swung it to me at the top of the key. I hit the three. That was my first shot ever taken. Um, and I was like, wow, this is dope. Let's get back <laughs> on defense. Yeah. Um, we got a steal, and I'm sprinting faster than I've ever sprinted. Uh, because I'm thinking, dang, I could run, get an outlet, get another bucket. The ball ends up scrambling. I knock head-to-head with Trey Lyles, and I bust my eyebrow open and get 12 stitches. <laughs> and, yeah, that was my moment where I was like, damn, it's either guys have really big heads in, in this league and, and I need to get under control, or guys are just very strong and they want the ball just as much as you do. Um, so that was one of them for sure. But, uh, guarding George Hill, um, first the Bucks this year was, was a, was a special moment for me. Um, just because he's somebody that I've watched pretty closely over my life. And he's somebody that I respect just on the, the grand scheme of keeping it simple, being a professional, you never hear about George Hill being involved in anything other than successful basketball teams playing his role. Um, so I think guarding him this year on the Bucks, and he actually caused a turnover for me, which pissed me off. But like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I had said something to him, like, I can't remember what I said, but he was just like, that was a terrible pass. Like, and I was just like, okay, yeah, now I see we're competitive. You know what I mean? Like I, I can respect that. So that was my welcome to the NBA moment. He also asked any good NBA trash talking stories yet. Yeah, that, that was one of them. Was he had a, said yeah. that. There was, there was a, um, this is actually funny. So, um, in the Brooklyn game this year, um, we're playing pretty well. I'm having a pretty solid game and, uh, the teams were winning. So now everybody's confident lose. So now you get at that point where it's like, whenever your teammate does something well, you kind of want to let it be known. That's just something that I do. I've always done that. Um, and Aaron Holland is balling, uh, and he's making a pass. I'm like, hell of a pass, Aaron. I'm yelling it. I'm right by the bench. KD yells to me, take off those Kyries. I turn around, I start laughing. Um, and then I come back down the next possession. Aaron hits me on a pass. I hit a three. 
and I look at the bench. Um, and it wasn't nothing disrespectful, but I'm just feeling confident. Things are rolling. And I look at the bench and Iman Shumpert is looking at me crazy. He said, listen here, you little light skin. You look at the bench again. Don't worry. We going to see you all year. I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. So I'm laughing and I'm like, yo, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is my first game really getting some minutes here. Like, I'm catching a vibe. Like, and he's ready to kill me. You know what I mean? But, um, that was that was a serious one right there. I was kind of nervous, but, you know, that that's all gone. That's phenomenal. That, yeah. So, it, put it this way, though. At least you weren't Monte getting crossed up with LeBron. Was that on, like, Christmas or, like, whenever that was? That turned into, yeah. like, a whole deal. Monte had to, like, put out a statement about it. He did. He did. And you know, if it was anyone else other than LeBron, it wouldn't have get blown up like that. But <laughs> oh my God, um, yeah, it's wild. But I mean, you, you know, I actually called Monte when I seen that. And I was like, yo, what, what was said? What was happening? Like, and he was like, bro, literally nothing. Like uh, I said, like that ain't it. And he came back at me and jawed me, but like for him to come back and say something, that means he respects me. And I'm, we're both on the phone like, man, hell yeah. Like Brown's respecting you, you know, like, so uh, man, uh, Monte's a competitor. Uh, you can't. I know you can't say anything. I'll, I'll just say it. My listeners know this. KD's my least favorite player in the NBA, and it's not even close. So I love the fact. I love the fact that you got brushed up with him. That's fantastic. That, that, that makes me feel so good. I mean, I love yeah. man. There's nothing like I. I don't know why. I, I. I look at you guys like little brothers. I. I knew y'all when you were in high school, and I remember talking to you the day you committed. I love watching you guys play. Like it is so much the, I honest, one of my favorite NBA moments was the last game of the season. Was it last year in Utah or was it two years ago where you and George and, um, what's his name from Duke? Oh, Grayson. Yeah. You guys were like, it it was crazy. It was like midnight our time. It was the last game of the season and you guys were out there balling. It was the most fun that I've had watching an NBA game in a really, you know what game I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Versus the Clippers. It was, it was in the Staples center last year, last game of the season before the playoffs. Oh my God. Yeah. That was so much fun. Yeah, man. Imagine being on the court, actually playing and, and, and making mistakes and, Oh. Being in the stable center, man, yeah. But you, you've been, I mean, a part of our process. Like, that's not, you know, we're, we're really family. I mean, yeah, you're man. one of the first people we've talked to when we came to Iowa State. And, I mean, you literally followed our whole career and supported us. And, and we've seen you every day damn near in the practice. Really, you know, like, yeah. it was special. But that game was, oh, that was a good time. George was, he was getting his jumpers up. I'll tell you that much. But he was scoring, I think. He, he was yeah. scoring it when it mattered, you know. And I think that game right there, like, it gave him a confidence. It gave me a confidence. It really gave Grayson a confidence because he had a 40-burger that was nasty. Yeah. Um, and we played against their main guys in the first half, you know. So, like, that really – that did some things for, for, for all of us for sure. It was like watching you guys on, like, like a NBA Cap City League. Because, yeah. I mean, you, you guys yeah. were just crossing half court and chucking threes and stuff. It was fantastic. It was amazing, man. And, that, and that's what Quinn wanted, too. He wanted us to play free, play loose, but play the right way, you know? And I, and we did that. Like, we, we executed it. We ended up losing the game, which sucked, but it was yeah. fun, man. Man, yeah. that was that was a blast. All right, uh, we'll, get, we'll rip through here a couple more, and then I'll let you go. Um, uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see if you remember this. Uh, Josh pointing this out. I do remember this game. I don't remember the specifics. He says, how mad was Monte at your brother? 
when Elijah forced two turnovers in that non-conference game at Hilton. Do you remember that? Oh, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, he, he said, how mad was Monte? Yeah, apparently Elijah forced a couple turnovers. Yeah, Monte was pissed. Monte was pissed. <laughs> um, he was mad just because he knew how important that game was for me. Um, and and I was completely out of whack that game. Like, I was just, my emotions were high. I was trying to press. I was out of it. So he knew he had to pick up the slack for where I was lacking. And then once he got forced into those two turnovers and my little brother was celebrating his head off, it was kind of like, it's personal, you know, because he knows he knows Eli on a, on a personal level. Um, and Eli knows Monte on a personal level. And Eli had nothing but respect and homage for the things Monte did in his college career, it's, it's legendary. It's like, you know what I mean? Up there with the greatest ever. Um, and, and Eli wanted to, to, to outplay him, you know, he wanted to beat him. And once he did that, Monte was hot. <laughs> he was hot, but he bounced back and had a great game. And at the end of the day, we won the game. So I'll be able to always hold that over my brother's head. Yeah, man. I really enjoyed watching your brother too. We got to watch him at Texas for a year. And then he went over and played with Otz last year in Vegas. And man, he had a great season. They, he was hurt for a while, but man, he had a, I, I thought uh, Naz, one of the great moments in college basketball this year when they went on the road and beat, beat San Diego state. I mean, it had to be a lot of fun watching him and obviously Otz recruited you to Iowa state. That that's a pretty sweet connection right there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was like a match made in heaven for Eli. Um, obviously, that TJ was the head coach. You know, I talked to TJ prior to the end of the year um, at Texas and said, look, man, my brother's in need of a spot. He said, I'm in need of a point guard. So they did that. Um, I was actually able to be home and, and watch at San Diego State when UNLV was on the road. And uh, Eli played with all my family. We were in my mom's room. There was like 20 of us. And we were sc- – when this guy dunked the ball – I damn near jumped out the window. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't, he was hooping. Um, I do think that's one of the better moments of college basketball this year. And he's just an underdog kid, man. And, and so is TJ. He's an underdog man. That's just fighting to, to continuously prove himself every day. And they, they, they had a good year this year for sure. All right. Um, couple more Mark, uh, this kind of plays off the one from earlier, but did you have like a big 12 fan base that you kind of felt like a rivalry with that you like to rile up from the court? I guess. Would that be Kansas or would that be like West Virginia? It feel like you guys really didn't like them and they didn't like you. I don't know. Just throwing those out there. That's that. It's West Virginia. Okay. West. I, I did not like West Virginia's fan base. Um, <laughs> I respected them. I respected them. Daxter miles played on, on our, our G league team this year. Um, and I got a lot of respect for him. Javon Carter, um, you know, the whole, their whole team, Adrian, I mean, they, they had some guys there, but their fan base, oh my gosh. They support their guys, but they were talking crazy when we went there every time. And I respected it, but God, I wish I could have rolled the ball out with a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what they do yeah. to didn't it was who was it was Kane that they gave all sorts of hell to that one night, right? Yeah, that's the fool of the game. Yeah. 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 They they were on his Come on, get a tech. Get it. You know you want a tech. Oh, man. Da, 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 da. The whole nine. And Kane was just ready for war. He just stayed <laughs> smooth, cool, calm, composed, leading us to wins, man. Yeah, it was it was some good times, how good did, battles. How did Kane never make the NBA? I, like, he seems like an NBA guy to me. You would think so. You would think so for sure. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this just sometimes that's just not how the ball rolls, man. Yeah. I mean – 
He's doing a lot for himself. You know, he's making a lot of money over there. But that that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, I mean, you look at Matt's situation. Yes, Matt's with the Raptors and so forth, but if Matt wanted to continue to build a career overseas and, and do his thing and if he was comfortable doing that, he would have been straight, you know, and I think Kane went to a place where it was very North Americanized in, in Maccabi Tel Aviv, um, and killed and he's making some good money and, and he's happy and he's content, you know. So I think it was kind of a situation where he was just ready to go get some money and get his life going. Man, this was a lot of fun. Well, um, let's let's try and do this more often. How about that? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know, anytime you call, text, man, you know I'm in for it, man. We ain't got nothing else going on <laughs> nowadays, so we might as well. We should do one and uh, maybe get you and George and maybe somebody else on together and just let you guys tell some stories. I think that'd be fun. That would be big time, man. Like like I said, I am staring outside my window and I'm looking at the clouds and I'm not doing nothing. So a podcast talking with some friends sounds like some fun. All right, buddy. You take care. (laughs) My man, Chris, appreciate you.